Good to be with you tonight. Glad to share the, the good news from the scriptures with you and glad to be here during your mission emphasis week. Um, as I thought about what to preach about, I thought about what the Heidelberg Catechism says. And if you'll get out your Psalter hymnal, in the Heidelberg Catechism uh, on Lord's Day uh, 21, it talks about the church and how God is the one who brings the church together. And it mentions two of the ways in which he does that. If I can find a Psalter hymnal here, I'll be all set. Lord's Day 21. And there's one question and answer about what we believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church. And I would like you to answer it with me because it mentions, and I'll mention this in the message, what it tells us about the ways in which God gathers people in in Lord's Day 21. It says, what do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? Let's all answer together. I believe that the Son of God, through his spirit and word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in true faith. And of this community, I am and always will be a living member. Notice how it talks at the end about once God gives us our salvation, I am and always will be a living member. But notice the first two lines, that the Son of God does this. He brings us into the church through, first of all, his spirit, and then secondly, his word. The spirit of God and the word of God, he brings us into the community of believers. He gathers us, protects us, and preserves us in this amazing community. And that's what we're gonna look at and what the Bible says about what we can do about that also. I would invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I would like to just read a couple of verses there that are our text tonight. 1 Peter 3, it's on page 1202 in the Bibles that you have in the pew, page 1202. And in 1 Peter 3, uh, my text is really verse 15 there, but I want to read verses 15 through 18 because it reminds us of uh, what God does for us. And also, Peter is talking here in his letter He's telling about uh, what our response is to the gospel and what we can do. He talks about different ways in which we show that we are those who love the Lord. But look at verse 15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. And then notice this part of verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's uh, doing it for doing good than for doing evil. It says in verse 18, for Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the spirit through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now notice in verse 15, it says these words to us. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone uh, for the, who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have to anyone who asks. May God bless us as we look at that text tonight. 
And tonight I want to do two things with you. You know, in mission emphasis, and I have been in many mission emphasis weeks in our church at Orland Park in Denver when I was there and in Iowa. But you know, when we have mission emphasis, a big part of it, and I know that's been it here too, is for us to remember to pray for our missionaries that go out into the, all the world and also to give of our gifts for missions. Those are two things that we're often encouraged to do. And I'm so glad that you had Mike Nikoff here last week. I've been to Zuni several times and seen that wonderful ministry there. And uh, I knew Mike when he was a seminarian in Grand Rapids before he went there. I was pastor in Elder Park Church. And then uh, to know the wonderful work there, the new school that they have there in Zuni after all these years of ministry there. It's an amazing work, but a difficult work. It's almost like being in a different country when you're at the uh, Navajo land in Rehoboth and you're at Zuni, it's just a totally different culture. And I think it's wonderful that nowadays our young people especially, but people can have opportunities to go all over the world with missions on a brief period of time so that they can know what it is to go out to a different place and to explain the gospel. But tonight, to conclude your mission emphasis week, I, I wanna bring it home for us of what God tells us to encourage us because missions, as you know, is not just out there in the world with our missionaries. We pray for them, we give for them, we encourage them. We are concerned that the gospel is spread throughout the world. But God says that wherever we are, we can also bring people close to Jesus Christ. And he tells us how to do that in his word. And so tonight I want to do two things with you. I want to, first of all, just two things. The first is to ask why we should be involved at all in bringing the gospel to others. And then the second thing is, I want to encourage you as to how to do it. The first part is why. Why should we do this? And by the way, I want to encourage you to think of your uh, sphere of influence in your life, who it is in your life that God may be calling you to share the basics of the gospel so that they can come to Jesus. By the way, I want to also tell you that there's something called the Ingle Scale, which shows that from a person being a complete unbeliever who knows nothing about Christianity to being a committed disciple to Christ, they say there's about 10 steps, and a man named Ingle has listed those steps to take somebody from being totally unbelieving, not even knowing what the gospel is, to being a Christian and to being committed to being a disciple of Christ. Ten steps. And I want to encourage you tonight because I believe that God uses different people in an unbeliever or a seeker's life to bring them one step closer to Jesus. Sometimes we think, well, if I don't make them a Christian, I failed in witnessing. But that's not true. Sometimes God can use what you say to someone to bring them that next step of the 10 steps toward being fully committed to Christ. And so God just simply calls us to be faithful. The other thing is that none of us can ever truly convert anyone. Only the Spirit, as we read, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, they're the only thing that can change a person's heart. But God can use you to bring that Word of God to somebody else. Now, there again, before I start with why, I want to say, for some of you, the persons that you think about tonight that you could share it with are in your own family. Could be a grandson or a granddaughter. 
could be your own son or your own daughter. Some of you are teachers. It could be somebody at the school where you teach. Some of you work in the trades. It could be somebody that you work with that watches your life, sees that you live differently, and may ask you about who Jesus Christ is and why you have the values that you have. But it's interesting that actually the time when most people make a commitment to Christ, we always think of reaching adults, people around us, the person at the restaurant that serves us or the person that we take a walk with, and that's important too, no doubt about it. But most people make their commitment to Christ by the time they're 12 years old. The majority do. Sometimes we forget how important it is to be plain with our children and our grandchildren and the teenagers about what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and what that means to you. And so I would encourage you to think of people in your life and every one of us, God gives you certain opportunities that no one else has to bring a person at least a step closer, if not on that last step, to commit their life to Christ. And truly, for some grandparents, you're the only person that has your opportunities with your grandchildren to share Jesus Christ clearly to them. So don't think we're just talking about your neighbor or somebody you work with. Think about somebody in your sphere of influence that God is calling you to pray for and also to help them to know who Jesus is. Now, why should we do this? Three reasons. Number one is, we have the greatest message ever given. The message we have is the message that can transform people's lives. There's nothing like it. It's a message that God has given to us, and we know what it can do in our lives, but we also know that God can transform someone from living a life which is totally one that doesn't have anything that has a redeeming value, to living a life for Jesus Christ, a new purpose in life, and to living eternally with Jesus Christ in heaven. And the truth of the matter is, the reason we do this is because God is passionate about telling us that he cares about those who are still lost, those who are still dead in their sins. And we have that privilege of sharing with them what can transform their life and bring them eternal life. We have the greatest message ever given. That's the first reason. And I hope you agree with that. I hope you know that. I hope you don't say those are just words. This is what we who are devoted to Christ know. It is the greatest message. Billy Graham has given it for all of his life, almost 100 years. We can't be Billy Graham, who just died this past week, but in our place, in our world, we know that the message he gave and the message we give to people is the same message. It will transform lives. The second reason that we want to do this is because we know that we have the best resources available to do this. Never before in the history of, of mankind has there been the opportunities to bring the message so clearly in so many different languages, but truly we know from the catechism we just read we have the Word of God, and people nowadays can read the Word, they can understand the Word, but we have the Holy Spirit who brings that Word into people's hearts. There's nothing like it. So we have the Word and the Spirit, the best resources ever. And I believe the third thing you never think about, but we should say it tonight, we have the shortest time to bring the message. Because you see, 
Time is running out in this world. You know, we're so busy with our everyday that we don't realize that the time when Jesus is coming is coming closer and closer. It may be soon. The song we sometimes sing, soon and very soon, we are going to meet the Lord. But it's true. And the wheels of time are quickly going out. And pretty soon there'll be no time as we know it anymore. And we have the message that people need to know before all the elect are gathered in, and then Jesus comes back. We have the shortest time, we have the greatest message, we have the most wonderful resources, and we should care about those who are lost the way Christ Jesus does. But then the question is, how do we do this? How do we do this? And for that, I want to suggest to you that the Bible says right here, so plainly in 1 Peter 3, it says simply these words, always be ready, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. How can I be ready to do that? I want to tell you what happened to me at Park Place of Elmhurst. I work across the street and a lady came to my office there not too long ago, and she said to me, you know, she's been coming to my worship services and coming to my Bible study, and I didn't know her very well, and I knew she had not been part of our church. There's only about 10% of those who live at uh, Park Place are from the Reformed or the Christian Reformed churches. That surprises people, but many of them are from no church at all. Some are even atheists that live across the street, uh, and they are avowed atheists, a couple of them. But most of them go to a church, but there are those who have never really gone to church either. And the lady came to my office and she said, you know, I hear you talking about a personal relationship to God and personal relationship to Christ. And she said, I have no idea what that is. Can you explain that to me? And so I did. I talked to her for quite a long time, explained to her what it is to have that personal relationship with Christ. And then after I had talked to her a little while, I asked her if she was ready to accept Christ as her Savior, and she said yes. And she said the prayer after I prayed it line by line with her of commitment to Christ Jesus as your Savior. And then she was just ecstatic that she knew what it is, and she was on the beginning of that path in a new relationship with Christ. But the interesting thing is, just uh, this happened about, oh, maybe eight months ago, and she comes to my Bible studies. Every week I have a Bible study right now on a different book of the Bible. We started with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. We're up to 1 Samuel, and her husband was in Elmer's Hospital this past week. I went to see him, and she was sitting there, and she said, she looked up and she said, I just finished reading 1 Samuel. I never read it before. And she had spent her time quietly in that room next to him reading 1 Samuel, which is something she's never done in her life before. You see, the Bible and the Word of God can change our hearts. And people can come to Christ when they're 70, 80 years old or when they're 10 or 11 or 12 or 5 or 7 years old. But how do we help them to do that? What do you say? And I want to suggest to you three different ways in which you can bring somebody at least a step closer or to understand what it is if they're not ready to make that commitment. 
And you might want to jot a couple of these things down because they're good ways to do this. The first one is this, always be ready, it says, to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. The first thing is to show them that there is two different words, two different words that, that describe religion and then Christianity. And the word that you can write down on a paper for somebody, this is more for adults probably, but there's the word do. And that's what all other religions tell you, that in order for you to get close to God, you have to do something. In a sense, the uh, teaching is you have to earn something from God. You have to obey him, for example, and you have to pray to him, and you have to do good works. And you look at other religions, the Muslim religion is built on five pillars. All these things you must do. D.O. is what religions teach you. Do this. Now, Christianity is different. Christianity is D-O-N-E. It's all about what Jesus has done for you. When he died on the cross for you, he died and he paid for all of your sins. And on that cross, he said, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. His suffering was finished, but the price was paid in full. Jesus paid it all. And so you can spend your whole life trying to do what you do to try to get to heaven or hope you'll get to heaven. I talked to somebody the other day and I said, are you ready to die? And he said, well, I hope so. I hope God will let me in. I thought, you can know. And I told him about how he can know. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done for you. In other words, another way to look at this, and you can draw the picture of a scale, or you can describe where some people think that when you stand before God and he asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? You'll probably say to him, and this is what some people think, they really believe this, if you look at all the good things I did, God, I mean, I was a good father, I was a good husband, I wasn't perfect, I said things I shouldn't do. If you look at the bad things, they're down here, Lord. And on this side of the scale, I, I, I wasn't always completely truthful. I said some bad words in my life. I never stole anything big. I was a good person. But you look at all the good things I did. I worked hard. I, I paid my bills. And, and then you look at the little things that are bad. I hope you weigh them. And, and when you look at the difference, and you see I wasn't a killer. I didn't go into a school and shoot it up like some people do. I didn't kill other people in my life. Never even thought about that then let me in. And you know what? God will say yes to you because you think you can do it. And heaven is perfect, and only perfect people can go to heaven. But Jesus, and this is where we go from the scale to done, Jesus did it for you. And so he lived the perfect life on earth, and then he died the perfect death in your place. Only he could die for someone else's sins. And he did that so that now you can be eternally with God. Now, if you explain the gospel to somebody, ask them two questions after you explain it. One is, does this make sense? In other words, do you understand or do you have questions about what I just told you? It's an important question because sometimes you may think you explained it, but they're asking questions and you know if they understood it. And then if they say, yeah, that makes sense, then the second question is this. Are you ready to give your life to Jesus Christ? And if they say yes, you say the prayer with them of confession 
in Jesus Christ as Lord. But see, that's a technique you can use, the do or done, the contrast between those two. Now, I have to say to you that it's interesting that younger people today don't hear about sin. They don't even know what sin is. Nobody talks about sin in their circles. They have no concept of why they would need Jesus. You have to explain so much today because so many, it's not clear to them that the Bible tells us that we are sinners who need forgiveness in Jesus. So you might have to do a lot of explaining. Older people have that concept, but they think, well, I'm trying to be good. I'll get there with what I've done. Do is what they think, but done is what Jesus has done. That's the first technique. Then I have a second one that I want to share with you from the Bible, and you need your Bible for it. Take out your Bible, and if you have your own Bible, you can outline it in your Bible, or else write down these four texts that's all in Romans. It's called the Roman Way, the Roman Road, the Roman Road. Turn to Romans 3, if you would, with me, and we're going to read four verses. And it explains the way of salvation. You can use this with teenagers. You can use this with younger kids. You can use it with anybody. And, and, and then some people, especially if they know the Bible is important, they appreciate that you show them right in the book of Romans, four verses, what it is to be a Christian, why you need that. Romans 3, verse 23. If you have your own Bible, and you can do this when you get home, circle it and underline it, and then I'll tell you what you put on that page, go to, and then that's the next one. So it's all right there in your Bible. Let's read together Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, you can explain that to somebody. All of us are sinners. I'm not judging you. I'm a sinner too. We're all sinners, all of us. There's none of us that can earn our way into heaven. Romans 3, verse 23. And you can put the word sin in your Bible. It reminds us of sin. Then put in your Bible, go to Romans 6, verse 23. And let's turn there now in our Bibles. Romans 6, verse 23. Way at the end of the sixth chapter, just a page over, and you say, now I want to tell you about salvation. Look at verse 23. Let's read it together, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And see, what that shows you is, if you only live in your sin, we looked at that in Romans 3, it's death for us, eternal death, eternal separation from God. But here's salvation. It's a gift from God. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But how do you get that? Well, then we have to go to a third verse. So on this page, you say, go to Romans 10, verse 13. And let's do that. It's just a little later in Romans. Romans 10, verse 13, page 1121. And this is how the gift comes to you. Let's read Romans 10, verse 13 together. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's, you could write the word response there. That's the response God wants. He wants us to call upon him. He wants us to ask him to forgive us of our sins. And he wants us to believe that Jesus is our savior. Whoever believes that Jesus is their savior is a child of God, the Bible says. And then here, one last one you put, go to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, the next page. Flip the page over, Romans 12, that's the fourth one. They're all on the Roman road here. 
And that, let's read verses 1 and 2, and this is our service to God. You can write the word service in your Bible. Let's read verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, there's so much in there, but that tells you about how to serve God. Present yourself, body and soul, to be a sacrifice. Sacrifice yourself to God, it says. And don't conform to the pattern of the world, the sinful pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might know God's perfect will for your life. And so you encourage the per person to see. You see, there's three parts. To confess our sins, to trust in Jesus as our Savior, but also to resolve to live a life of service to him. And again, you say, does this make sense to you? And then the second question, are you ready to receive Christ as your Savior? And sometimes people say, no, I'm not quite sure what this means. But then you've let them one step closer to that day when they may, in front of someone else, it's not always us, but at least you have presented the truth of who Jesus is. So that's a second technique you can use. And then I think of a third one, and I, I've heard of this one being used like in a restaurant when somebody's sharing the gospel with somebody. And what you do is you take a piece of paper, and what you do is you put the bridge illustration here, the bridge it's called. And what you do is you put the word us on one side at the top, and you put God on the other side on the top. So picture that, us, you might do this on your bulletin someplace, us, and God. And then what you do is you draw a canyon in the middle in this way. You put a line under us and then it goes down and a line under God and it goes down. So there's a gap, a gap or a canyon in the middle. And you say to the person you're talking to, I want to just tell you very, or you can do this on a napkin. You can do it anywhere. I want to tell you about the truth that the Bible explains that there's a separation between us and God. And the separation is there because of our sin. And you could put sin here in the middle. And you say, because of our sin, there's a gap, there's a canyon between us and God. And because of that, if we try to make it over that in our own selves, we can never jump over the canyon. It's as, as foolish as to think you can jump over a canyon in the mountains that's several feet long. You can't do it. And if you try to do it on yourself and what you're doing, It'll end in death, and you can write the word death in the canon at the bottom. There's no way that you can go from us to God on your own. There's only one way, and then what you do is, in this canyon here, you draw a cross across it with the crossbar here from one side to the other and put the cross in the middle and say, the bridge to God is only through the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's through him and what he has done on the cross that all of our sins are forgiven, that he makes us right with him, and that he lets us come into his heaven where we cannot go if we are still dead in our sin. But he makes us alive in Christ as we trust Jesus as our Savior. And the bridge is given by God so that, as it says here in 1 Peter 3, verse 18, we read it, for Christ suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, 
to bring you to God. He has put to death in the body and he was made alive in the spirit. He did that so that we could be bridged to God, made right with God. One year on Easter in Orland Park Church, I talked about the bridge illustration. On Easter Sunday, often people who never go to church come to church on Easter. And we had a, a bridge that was behind me uh, in the front. And I, it challenged people if they had never accepted Christ before and crossed the bridge through the cross of Jesus to Christ, that after the service, if they would come up and walk across our bridge, if today was the day they did it, and several people came up and they walked across the bridge. Children did, because, you know, it's mostly people up to 12 is when most people make their commitment to Jesus Christ. Don't forget that. It's not just for adults. It's for our children. It's for our grandchildren. Some of you, your great-grandchildren. Use these ways of explaining clearly to them who Jesus Christ is. The Bible says in 2 Timothy also, be prepared in season and out of season to share who Jesus Christ is. We have the greatest message that has ever been given. We have the shortest time to bring it to others. It's not only for those out there so far away. During the offertory, Donna played the song that I, I remember as a boy when I was in Timothy Christian School and when I was in Cicero One Church. There's a song that I always loved and I always felt it in my heart. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. Listen to the second verse of the song she played during our offering. Perhaps someday there are loving words which Jesus would have me speak. There may be now in the paths of sin some wanderer whom I should seek. O Savior, if thou wilt be my guide, though dark and rugged the way, my voice shall echo the message sweet. I'll say what you want me to say. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you put people in our life that wonder what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you give to us children whom we can influence in a way that no one else can, and grandchildren whom we love so much, and we want them to accept Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Lord, help us to share the good news plainly with them. Help us to talk about these things when we walk with them, when we lie down with them, when we eat with them. Wherever we go, help us to show them what it is to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And Lord, we pray for your blessing as we go into this world that we may be used by you to bring a person to Jesus or one step closer to that day when they accept him as their Savior. Thank you that it's not just our missionaries far away, but you give to us these opportunities in our lives too. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.